What's up and how are you? This is Sean Nevels, your host for the Shape America podcast, and this is episode four of our Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion EDI series that is uh, titled What is Social Justice? Now, please make sure you check out episodes one, two, and three. Episode one featuring Dr. Excuse me, Kenneth Smith from Montgomery Public Schools, Montgomery County Public Schools. Make sure you also check out episode two featuring Dr. Daryl Howard from Montgomery Public Schools as well. And episode three featuring Dr. Troy Body, uh, formerly of Montgomery Public Schools, now with East Coast Racial Equity Group, LLC. Now, this being our last episode of our first series, What is Social Justice? We're going to get fit more back into our space of health and physical education, particularly sports justice. And even more particularly, we're talking about women's rights. This is March. We are recording in March. Um, hopefully this gets out by the end of the month. Um, but we know March is Women's History Month. And we also, on the 8th of March, celebrated International Women's Day. So for this episode, I would like to introduce a very very, very, very dear friend of mine. She knows she is. I can only say so much about her, but just a couple quick things about her. Assistant Professor of Physical Education in the College of Education at the University of Central Missouri in Warrensburg, member of the Shape America EDI Committee, and also our home state, the Most Shape EDI Committee, and also chair of the Future Initiatives. Um, I believe that's right, Future Initiatives of Most Shape. I bring to you Ladies and gentlemen, fellow humans, Dr. Brandy Lynch. Dr. Lynch, how are you? What's up, man? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for the invite. Of course, of course. I had to. I had to. I know you've done a lot with Shape America um, and their EDI work. I know you're a part of the advisory group as well um, from, from the past year, uh, starting with the Shape Virtual last year in 21. So like I told you before, ladies and gentlemen, this is a dear friend, so this is definitely going to be very much conversational here as we go through things, but we do want to talk about what's important. But before we get to that, Dr. Lynch, Brandy, tell us about yourself. Um, I got brown eyes. No, not like that. <laughs> um, so like you said, Sean, I'm an assistant, soon to be associate professor, fingers crossed. Uh, there's a, a board of governors meeting, I think next week to make that official. Um, along with some of my other amazing colleagues. Um, I've been in higher ed at UCM for five years. Uh, before that, I did my doctorate at Northern Colorado under some amazing mentors out at UNC. Um, and uh, before that, I was a teacher and a coach at the secondary level in a small town in Texas. Um, and continuing to move backwards, I did my master's at Baylor University, uh, undergrad at Abilene Christian. Uh, was a thrower on the track team and super involved with a lot of stuff there. Um, but yeah, Love that's it. me. There you go. Now tell us particularly, tell the audience about your experience. You know, once again, our theme here is, you know, women's rights when it comes to uh, social justice and sports. Tell us a little bit about your, your experience in this field. Yeah, uh, we were kind of chatting about that the other day, right? And it, it didn't take long to think of several examples of how there's just some inequity. And I want to believe, <clears throat> I want to believe maybe just for my own sake in humanity that maybe we just don't recognize it. And sometimes things are just, they. this is how it's been for so long. We just don't question it. And then maybe once it's brought to someone's attention, it's like, oh, oh yeah, we should probably do something about that. But why it took so long or why it takes so long to bring it to people's attention, 
it's just beyond me. And so, um, as a coach, uh, coming into a secondary setting in a small town, like in a rural environment, it was really interesting to me that I had a male athletic director and he told us things like, you know, we're, we expect y'all to dress up for game days. So put on your best church clothes and look presentable, put on some makeup, wear your hair down. And I was just over there taking notes like, okay, so I need to do this. This is what they're saying. It was my first job out of um, my master's. I'm just trying to do the right thing. And it didn't, it didn't trigger red flag to be like, oh, so as a female, like I'm presentable to you means that I wear my hair down and then I have some makeup on because every other day, maybe it looks different or because I'll be in front of a bunch of parents. I don't know what my hairstyle or my makeup or lack of makeup has to do with anything about how my team plays, but that was, that was uh, an expectation. Um, I never challenged it, but it was very much kind of an expectation. And there were probably things on the boy side too, but I can remember that quote, like just being told that and thinking, okay, okay. And now having the lens of social justice and how to see things um, from an equity, diversity, inclusion standpoint, you just can't unsee. Now I, there's red flags everywhere. Like you couldn't get through your day if you let all the red flags distract you. But I think it's important to recognize things for what they are, right? Um, another example that we were just talking about the other day was um, when <clears throat> we would go to away games uh, at my school district, we we fed our students, we fed our athletes after the games. And on the girls' side, as a female coach, I was expected, and we had a male coach on the girls' side too. So it wasn't because I was a female, but I was in women's athletics uh, that I had to go during my conference period and take the card and go buy stuff from the grocery store for uh, meat and cheese and bread and PB and J and some bottled water and some uh, some individual bags of chips. And we'd ice those down and we'd throw them in the back of the bus. And then after we got on the bus, our kids would just hand it up, hand it back. We had a whole routine uh, going and we never questioned it. I was just thankful that we fed our kids because when I was in school, they didn't feed us. And so I thought that was really awesome um, until we ended up for some reason going like we both had away games, boys and girls to the same school. And so we, you know, took our buses and then we were going to get back on the bus. And I heard the boy coaches say, Hey boys, where do you want to go this time? And they're like, what a burger. And I was like, Whoa, wait, wait what y'all do what? And they, they had a budget to stop at fast food and buy their, their boys, uh, you know, like entire meals, every away game. And I just thought, why are, why are we eating sandwiches on the bus when y'all are eating Whataburger? And not that I want my girls to have a bunch of fast food, you know, once a week or twice a week or whatever, but just the principle of the fact that what is the discrepancy? I, we have this basketball, we're all playing basketball. We have the same number of players on our teams. Maybe boys eat more. I don't know what, like, I don't know what the mentality was, but I happened to see the budget for the food budget for our different programs. And it was a significant discrepancy. And, and so I, I started calling it out. Why does it look like this? What is that? And I, I wasn't there too much longer after that. So I want, I want to believe that things changed and were more equitable, but no, there wasn't a parent that had a, a girl in athletics and a boy in athletics who said, why are y'all stopping at fast food? And why are y'all eating sandwiches on the bus? Like I had no idea that was happening until it happened right in front of us. 
and just thought, what, what's, what, what's the deal here? Why does it, why does it look like that? You know, Sean, do you think that your daughter is being treated equitably on her track? No, I appreciate you asking. I, I, and once again, things that we have talked about personally is I'm, I'm starting to pay more attention now um, as, as a concerned father, you know, I, I, I'm from the boy side of it. When I was in athletics, you know, I was just, you know, I did football. I was happy to get the meals we got after the, after whatever competition, but, you know, going through the lines of being a coach and now having my own daughter, that's an athlete. I'm starting to pay more attention to these things. And, you know, as you were talking, I was actually thinking about, I was thinking about maybe it was last year, uh, the, the college basketball, they, they played in a bubble too, right? The college basketball bubble and the facilities, the, the discrepancies of facilities between the women's side and the men's side and that image that went out, oh my goodness. And I, I'm gonna be honest, I'm, I think that was probably about the time I really started to think about it because that was about the time my daughter had started high school sports. So that was like, okay, wait, you know, there's these opportunities. And now you think about college athletes, and NIL, you know, name image likeness deals that they're getting. Once again, that's something that's going to impact, you know, that can impact those that are in those, gener you know, gener gener uh, revenue generating sports, football and basketball. But what does that look like for, for you know, our women athletes out there that, that should probably get some big bucks too because their name, image and likeness matters. So I don't think that answered your question, but <laughs> I mean, as one of those things, I'm more, I'm starting to be more cognizant of it, especially in the space that I operate when it comes to EDI, but you know, talking to you the many times we have, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate now. And, you know, we kind of played the joke with the, you know, becoming a feminist. <laughs> when you hear, when you hear guys say that, when you hear gentlemen like myself, you know, I'm a married man, right? When you hear men say that they're a feminist, how does that make you feel? Yeah. So if, if before I got into this work, I think I probably would have had some stereotypes and like a schema that took that as a very negative connotation. I think probably when I heard that before, I would think, oh, that's someone who hates men and burns their bras and, you know, like a really aggressive, it, it, like you hear, I'm a feminist, which equates to anti-men. But the way that I hear that word now is just that it's pro-women. It's for women, which is not mutually exclusive. It's not a zero sum game where you, you have to be all of one or the other, but I absolutely want to hear more men saying I'm a feminist in the sense that I mean, I am pro women. I am pro girls. I'm, I'm pro equity across the board. And when you hear it like that, it almost makes me wonder like, man, that's not a good look to not be a feminist. If that's the definition we're working with. So Maybe some of it is just the messaging because it's always the most outlandish examples that people think of sometimes when it's something you're not familiar with. But as a girl dad, I expect you to be a feminist. But, you know, we need those men who are not not girl dads, but have mothers and sisters and daughters and spouses, spouses to uh, to jump on this bandwagon because that, you know, something I've seen so much and I I've taught diversity and social justice in the college of education with not my physical education majors. And what I've just heard over and over again is when it comes down to it, people are just scared of what they don't know. 
And like fear produces a defensiveness. And there's this mentality that if we want to call out injustice, that automatically means that I need to be defensive about it instead of being like, huh, you're right. Wow. That's, I never considered that before. Um, because when we talk about these things, it's not, I'm not trying to shame the men's program at my school. I'm not trying to call out my admin for, you know, what that looked like, but I do want them to at least acknowledge and to recognize, and then not performative to say, you're right, you know, thumbs up, like the guy did in LFG um, about, you know, equal pay for women after they won the World Cup and we're sitting on the stage and he's like, we've always supported the women and uh, we put more into our program than any other country in the world. And <laughs> Megan Rapino is like, just because you're doing things better than people who are bad does not mean that you're doing good. And I was like, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt because ain't that the truth. <laughs> now, now, Brandy jumped ahead of me there because definitely that's one of our talking points for this conversation is about LFG, but we just got we got off of that for a second. I want to get, get us back on track because for me, and I watched that, you know, around the time that Shape hosted hosted a virtual screening and also had a follow-up discussion. You can find that on um, the Shape America page under its free webinars. I believe that's still available, but you know, the LFG, if you haven't watched it, is about the inside account of the United States women's national soccer team's uh, fight for equal pay. Now, to everything you're saying, Brandy, a question I have, especially as a person who have, doesn't have that lived experience, is we want equal rights for everybody, especially our women in athletics and in sports too, right? But how, how does it benefit everybody to make sure we close that gap for women to have equal pay? Yeah, I mean, it does. It does across the board. And that's, I hear so many things on, on the other side of it. And like, well, the WNBA doesn't make as much because they don't bring in as much and, and all these different things. And the, the NBA actually subsidizes quite a bit. And women's athletics don't get as big of a cut because they're not income producing programs. But if you look at the numbers, there's lots of programs on campus that don't actually bring in a lot of money. But even in the places where the women's programs are revenue producing um it's it's really slow to happen to say hey this this is good for everyone um when i was watching that movie or that documentary and they showed all of the pictures of people who had posted on social media that dressed up as megan rapino and um some of the other players and some of them were even little boys to say yes they can be role models like representation matters and you know, it's so funny. I went to supervise a student teacher out in schools a couple weeks ago, and I was sitting on the sideline and watched my student teacher uh, teach a bowling lesson. And two boys like went up and were like, hey, uh, Mr. So-and-so. And he said, I don't know, go ask her. And so these two middle school boys approached me and they're like, hey, miss, are you, are you a college D1 scout? And I was like, maybe. I, I might, let me, y'all better make sure you show me, show me the best you got today. And I was thinking, yes, I am a D1 scout for bowling at a, a middle school in Blue Springs, Missouri. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing here today. But I kind of just appreciated 
that they saw a woman with a clipboard and thought that I could have a position of scout that might actually have been watching boys, right? I was a scout watching boys. And so I think we're making progress. I don't know that that has been a thing in the past that 10 years ago, boys might've seen a woman who looks like she might be in charge of something, walk into a gym and think that she holds like an important position. And so I thought it was hilarious. Um, and I made sure to like, know that they saw me watching them and taking notes <laughs> when I was there to watch my student teacher. Right. But, you should have told um, them I'm not recruiting anything under 240. I mean, <laughs> yeah. When we go to Ironman competitions, uh, for my, for my wife and, I remember seeing a little boy with a Wonder Woman t-shirt on and I, you can kind of see in my background, right? I, I like me some Wonder Woman. And I thought it was so awesome that this little boy had a Wonder Woman shirt on um, because we can be girl power and try to break into these spaces, but to allow or to encourage men and boys to um, jump into these spaces to promote the same types of things. Like, I think that's, I think that's how we normalize this type of equity. Amen to that. Something else we can celebrate in the year 2022 is the 50th anniversary of Title IX, right, which prohibits sex-based discrimination in, in the school setting. So back to the Dr. Lynch hat side of the conversation is, you know, just tell us, you know, just share any any knowledge, any, you know, anything profound about Title IX to the audience. Yeah, I feel like I have been able to stand on the shoulders of those, those women who came before me and the allies who, who came before us to fight that good fight, because I don't know that I necessarily have felt like it has been significantly impactful to me in the way that I've heard uh, some of the older generations speak about. Um, I watched a, a Pat Summit documentary the other day, and they were talking about um, how her father really just expected all the kids to work on the farm and do the chores and heavy lifting and hard work, sun up to sundown. But one thing, even though he was so traditional in that sense um, and very would come across as like that very conservative rural kind of mentality, he actually picked up and moved his family across the county line so that Pat could play basketball on a women's basketball team because at that time, either like her county didn't have girls basketball. And so her dad saw it significant enough to move up and move the whole family so that she could play. And I feel like um, that's not my lived experience that I, I, I don't feel like I, there have been opportunities that haven't been available to me per se based on that kind of thing. But I've worked rugby camps, uh, USA rugby camps up at Northern Colorado in the summers when I was there in my doc program and uh, the women's, the high school all-american team and the women's national team and the 15s would come and the sevens would come and the usa eagles were there and it was so amazing to see so many women in rugby but when we got to know them during meals and in passing they all had real jobs right they all had full-time jobs to support their families and to do you know life but then they were also trying to make it work to play soccer I mean, to play rugby, and it reminds me of some of the things they talked about in LFG of one of the uh, athletes in the beginning said, I had a friend who was a waitress who, who made three times more than I did. And I, I'm a professional athlete, just like the USA rugby, they are representing our country. 
and there's just not compensation for it. And so I, I see the effects of it, but I, I don't think that I have some like transformative that I can think of off the top of my head, this experience that it's really impacted me, but I do appreciate and value because I've done my homework and I've, I've watched the documentaries and read the books on what that's looked like for women coming up through the ranks. Cause it's hard for my brain to wrap around. Like there was a time when, when girls weren't even allowed to, it wasn't even a thought to be in some of these circles. And now it's like, my daughter turns four on Sunday and the sky's the limit for her. And I, you know, I'm super, I really hope that she finds joy in movement and, and physical activity um, and whatever she wants to do with that, that those opportunities are available. You know, what I take out of that, you're right. And I'll equate it to, you know, the civil rights movement. That was 1964, mm -hmm. you know, when the Civil Rights Act was passed. But, you know, I couldn't imagine as a Black man what, you know, African-Americans went through during that time. You know, we're, they did those things and, you know, laws were passed like the Civil Rights Act, like Title IX for our generation to, to step in and be better and take advantage of it. But that doesn't mean we stop sharing those stories, right? That doesn't mean <laughs> the fight is over. It continues through us, with us, onto the next generation and make sure that they have it a little bit better than we had it here. So good mm -hmm. part there. And I thank you for that part of the conversation. One thing I want to point to that you were involved in in the month of March is Speak Out Day. And if this, this is recorded, so everybody sees over my left shoulder here, that is my Speak Out shirt. Dr. Lynch, she was a part of the Most Shape team uh, that, that went on virtually to, to be a part of Speak Out Day. So tell us about your experience with Speak Out Day. I think you did it last year as well and why it's so important for other professionals to be a part of it. Yeah, so uh, Dr. Docheff was one of my colleagues uh, at UCM and he's just uh, such a legend with advocating for our profession and to getting the word out about the great things we're doing in health and PE. And um, so he was the one who encouraged me to sign up for Speak Out Day. And so I was like, ah, I'm a little timid. Like, I don't know what to say. I'm not really in government. I don't know all the lingo. I don't want to make myself look silly. I don't want them to quiz me. Like I had all these things built up. And he said, just come and just come and tell us about your experiences. Like they're, they are humans too. And they, they, we need to humanize. We need to personalize these stories that are coming out of our discipline and our profession. So when they sit in those hours long meetings about appropriation and funding, these are the stories they think about. And so he uh, gave me that little prompt, that little nudge and um, the prep work that we did beforehand, I felt really helped me to feel confident in knowing how those would go and giving us the background on those uh, those types of fundings and where it's come from and what it looks like and where we're headed so that I felt informed because uh, I don't like to do things halfway. And that's one place that I don't feel super comfortable, like confident in, but I do want to be an advocate, right? This We could take this exact same thing and look at social justice stuff too, but to say, uh, are you willing to share your story? Are you willing to be vulnerable? Um, take a step and see what happens. And so last year, we did the same thing and we were actually able to meet with one of our representatives. Um, I think it was either Congresswoman Wagner or Congresswoman Hartzell, one of them. But Anna uh, Forcelito told a story that had her in tears, like 
we connected with our why. And so uh, that was quite a hard, uh, high bar to set going into this next one. But this time we got to meet with representatives, but they're the ones who speak directly with our elected officials to make some of these decisions. And so um, it was a really cool thing to be a part of. I can't wait until we can go in person and I can wear my neon shoes and my <laughs> business uh, power suit. But you didn't with... wear your neon shoes while you were just sitting there? Come on now. Right. I mean, don't tell anybody, <laughs> but I sure did. Um, but yeah, that we can be on person on the Hill and actually, you know, shake some hands and, and make these connections. But I, Dr. Dochev was so funny. Like we, he said, oh yeah, Congresswoman Wagner, I remember we were at this event and I'll never forget you said this. And she's like, oh my gosh, I remember saying that. And yes, that's near and dear to my heart. Like he just, he knew how to make those connections. And so um, it it's a really cool opportunity. And I know that like in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle of spring semester and all these things, uh, everything feels like one more thing, right? Like it's just one more thing. But if there was ever going to be one more thing, um, we had over almost 150, I'll say, almost 150 people who participated in Speak Out Day across, it was either like 38 to 42, something like that, like a significant number of states represented and Puerto Rico was thrown in there too. So if we want to continue to fight the good fight, like we do it every day in our in our teaching spaces, but we also um, need to look at that policy level. And it's something I'm learning more about and becoming more comfortable in that space. And it just took the first step of saying, I care about what we do. I'm passionate about what we do. And um, we deserve the funding as part of a um, well-rounded education that every other content area at the table participates in, especially because we hit so much on the social emotional piece. And I'll tell you one of those uh, representatives, uh, one of their staffers was talking about, it's, we said, what are your priorities right now? Like what's on your desk as a priority in education? And he said, mental health and social emotional learning or like something to the effect of that. And we we're like, oh my gosh, that's really awesome. Because did you know, you know, that it's Shape America uh, standards, two of our five uh, tie directly to affective. So it's not, one more thing for us, it's actually standards-based curriculum when we teach towards uh, social and emotional learning with our students. So we do it well, we do it right, we should be doing it anyways. Let's continue that increased, like robust funding for Title II and Title IV Part A so that we can keep doing what we're doing. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that that's awesome. That's what we're doing. So it was cool to say, whatever you thought PE was, it's actually, probably so much more than that and let me tell you about it yo said from a true pro right now quick shout out to carly wright the uh vp of advocacy equity diversity inclusion with shape america so you got to hear that one all right dr lynch i appreciate your time how can the listeners follow you well i have um my professional life is on Twitter. So I'm just at Brady Lynch. I was on real early in Twitter. So I just got my name because uh, there's lots of them out there. And um, my like MoShape puts out a bunch of stuff. We're at MoShape One, right? And we're across all social media platforms. So I feel like a lot of what I do is with MoShape. And so you can find me, holla at me there. Um, and then my program is at UCM Phys Ed. 
And you can see the cool things that we do in our PEAT program here. I, I wanted to tell you one more thing, like we were talking about you know, gender equity and what that looks like. And I'm saying, oh, it doesn't really affect us, but it completely like just kind of jumped in my head last second that even when I was teaching and coaching, so given that was almost 10 years ago, I've been out of K-12, but even when I was a coach, um, I, it became a conversation at the high school that someone finally, it's, it was brought to someone's attention that uh, in, in Texas, you can take athletics as a class period. Like that's a thing, not in Missouri, but in Texas, you can take athletics as a class period. And so the athletes, like there's a grade for it also, but across the board, girls got a 95 in athletics, like just got a 95. That's what you got. Cool. All right. Um, and GPA is a really big deal for high school kids and class rank is a really huge deal. I think when I was there, if you were in the top 10% in your class, you had free access, not free access, but you were automatically admitted into any state school in Texas. And then there was something even better, like more significant for like the valedictorian. So my students took those things so seriously. They did all sorts of like dual credit and AP and honors and all that to like get their GPAs up. And, and so by like the 10th of a GPA really is impactful. And it wasn't until I was like, I was there teaching and coaching that it was brought to the powers that be the attention that the girls got a 95 in athletics, but the boys got a hundred in their athletics period. And it's, people are like, is an A is an A, it's fine, it's not a big deal. Unless you're one of those girls, it really makes me wonder how many of our female athletes were actually kind of docked in like the littlest, slightest way that could have impacted their class rank, could have impacted, you know, scholarship opportunities over something seemingly as insignificant. And I'm, I don't even know, I don't know that it was intentional. I don't know if like so siloed that the girls did their own thing, the boys did their own thing. And it wasn't like a, a snub towards, you know, girls athletics, but that was an issue. I think that once it was brought to someone's attention, it was rectified, but how many years did that go on unchecked? and impacted some of my girls trying to, trying to do some stuff in college. So I guess there is, there is some inequity even that I would, I like live through. And it was so subtle that it doesn't have to be in your face. Like girls aren't allowed here, but those little things that really could make an impact. And I think we need to have eyes to see it. Like in my social justice class, I used to say social justice goggles, right? Like put on your social justice goggles. Um, I don't say that anymore. I say in this class, we're going to do social justice LASIK because I don't want you to be able to take them off at night. I don't want you to be able to switch them out if it's not convenient. I want you to have eyes to see what is really happening in the world and, and what, what this is happening here all the time. It happened. You can see it in commercials. You can hear it in conversations at the grocery store. You can see it watching you know, the women's March Madness. Now we're allowed to call it that March Madness tournament. Um, it is literally everywhere. So let's have eyes to see it and not turn away. And then because of that, do something, do something. That's my charge. Do something. And on that, ladies and gentlemen, you have it there. Dr. Brandy Lynch. Nothing else I need to say. All right. I've got my LASIK on. I'm girl dad. Let's go. I'm in this fight with you. Thanks for listening, everybody. You all take care. See ya.